This is Cecil, and you're listening to the Diamond Talk Podcast presented by The Craft Factory. Now, here's Rob, Daniel, and your Shuey to bring you the latest of what's going on around the league. What's going on, guys? Welcome to Diamond Talk, another episode, getting ready to be in the books. Um, my name is Cecil, yours truly, hosting Diamond Talk, presented by The Craft Factory. Um, as usual, we have our usual suspects, Rob and Daniel, live in living color. How you guys feeling today? Good. Good, good, good. Um, hopefully everybody had a good week, including those who are listening. Thank you guys in advance for listening. And I hope you guys are having a great week as well. So we're just going to jump right into it. The wildcard race is, as usual, heating up. It's getting close to October. And as you know, it's playoff time. Team's got some playoff mindsets already. Um, in the AL, Oakland A's are still smoking. They're uh, uh, currently a game and a half up. Um, as we speak, that may change. Um, so it looks like they're locking down that first wildcard spot. But then you have two other teams, the Rays and the Indians, uh, duking it out. Rays have been playing some solid ball. Uh, Cleveland has also been playing some solid ball, but we'll see who falls out. Um, so to, to jump right into it with the AL, before we get to the NL, uh, for the American League, which team holds that second spot? Rob, which which team do you think gets it, Rays or Indians? I mean, right now, it's you know, right now the Rays um, are holding on to that spot. Um, I, th- I think, I mean, realistically, it's just going to yeah. come down to schedule. The Rays are currently facing the Yankees right now. I just uh, came away from that game. I think it was tied when I left it. Um, and the Indians are yes. demolishing the White uh, the White Sox. Um, so the Indians probably look if the Yankees get that win against the Rays. Um, the Indians probably look to overtake that second wild card tonight. Um, and I mean, to be honest, in the American League, it's going to go down to like the final game of the season. Like, th- all three teams are like separated by like a game. Um, so it's, it's it's just gonna depend really on how they play the last couple the last couple games that they have and and what their yeah. schedules look. Yeah, like. Daniel, who who's your who's your gut? What's your gut telling you? You know, my gut's telling me Cleveland. Just you got Jose Ramirez coming back tonight. That's a huge help for that lineup. Uh, you know, I still think top to bottom rotation wise, they're probably the best in the American League. Still, uh, you know, it, just looking at it from from the standpoint of the the top teams. I'd probably rather play Tampa Bay than play Cleveland. So if I'm the Yankees, I wouldn't be surprised if there's a little strategy there as far as, uh, I don't know, maybe letting a couple guys sit, get that little extra rest in. But, um, yeah, I think it's going to be a tight one. I think overall Cleveland takes it, though. I feel like they just have a better team. Just that that, that rotation is huge for them. Tampa Bay keeps squeaking these things out, man. And I don't know how they do it, but they get it done. Yeah. Uh, it's gonna be interesting. I, I'm not surprised if we see a game 163 between between those two teams. Yeah, I, I think it's it's gonna come down to the wire too. Strength of schedule is a big factor. Um, I guess what I will what I want to ask though is who poses a bigger out of these three teams? You have the A's, you have the Rays, you have the Indians. Who can you say if I was a division leader, the Yankees um, or another team? Am I saying, man, I just don't want to. I don't want to face that team at all. Who is that team? And I know, Daniel, you kind of chimed in on a, l- a little bit on that. But who is that team you just like, I don't want to face that team in the playoffs? 
Yeah, for me, I think Cleveland just because the way they can stack up as far as their rotation. And I think their lineup's a little bit better than people give them credit for. They really haven't had an entire team entire season. You know, Lindor missed time, Ramirez missed time. You just had the the acquisitions of Reyes and Puig. Mm -hmm. So it's one of those teams where it's it's one of those teams where we haven't heard enough of Puig either. So that's he's also a bat there. He shows up though. He he. I feel like he's one of those players that he's gonna. I'm not saying he's gonna absolutely kill it stat wise, yeah. but I think he does, he's a guy who wants to rise to the occasion at least. Uh, yeah, I think I think if Tampa Bay and Oakland get in, it's kind of what Rob said last week, where those are the kind of teams that shoot themselves in the foot. They kind of try too hard to be too weird, uh, and yeah, so I think <laughs> be too weird. <laughs> just, out of, just out of basically just the most talented teams, the guys that I would yeah. want to face, I would say Cleveland. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Cleveland, Cleveland definitely has has that 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 potential to, to make some noise but of course Oakland A's has that top spot moving on to the NL the National League uh it's kind of a four-team race you got the Nationals who are holding that top spot then you got the Brewers who are there side note of course without Yelich so we'll see how they hold up uh Chicago Cubs four games out then you have the Mets with Alfonso knocking home runs out there five games out so those two teams kind of have a puncher's chance we'll see they gotta they pretty much gotta it feels like went out um but you got the brewers and the nationals out there holding those top two spots um so is it safe to say that we can see those two teams um in the playoffs with the nationals and the Brewers? yeah it's looking like it. It, it i mean it's looking like it um i think uh i think i saw the brewers were like four and a half on top of chicago for that second spot um, unless the Brewers just go all out and try to make a push for for that um, mm-hmm. NL Central crown, take it away from St. Louis, they're probably going to end up um, in the wild card game. Um, that's going to be a very interesting game for them, um, and it's all going to depend on what the uh, Nationals end up doing because I don't see the Brewers defeating Max Scherzer in a wild card mm-hmm. game. At the same time, I don't know if I throw Max Scherzer in a wild card game. Um, because I feel like the way that the Brewers are set up, the Nationals might be able to get past them with the Steven Strasburg, for example. And then you save Scherzer for that game one versus the Dodgers. Um, I, I mean, I, I we talked about this before. We don't really know, or we, we basically don't have any expectations for the Brewers to go far without mm-hmm. Christian Yellick. I mean, getting a wild card berth is great for them without Yellick, to be honest. Um but the Nationals, you know, we were just talking about over in the America League. The Nationals are a pretty dangerous team, man. Like, if we're if we're just talking mm-hmm. about pitching, like their pitching matches up perfectly with the Dodgers in terms in terms of you yeah. know three starters. I mean, you have you have um, Scherzer, Strasburg, and Corbin who can go up against just yeah. about anyone. Um, you know, the only thing with the Nationals is that they have to depend in terms of their lineup. They have to depend heavily on their youth. Um, you know, some inexperience might come into play. You know, Rendon is essentially like the clubhouse leader right now with Harper gone. Um, but the Nationals, the Nationals can put up a good fight just yeah. against them. And they got, they got some they got some good bats and they, they their pitching staff can rank up against anybody. So it's definitely going to be um, down to how much how much noise can the Nationals really make because um, they could easily beat. Uh, anybody in there I think they can even is it safe to say can they beat the Dodgers that they faced in, in a series can or can can they beat the Dodgers in a seven game series you know I, I mean it, well it'll well, be five, five. Yeah. it'll be five so they'll 
I think they could take a game. I, I would still have the Dodgers. I think they're going to put up a fight, but I'd still take the Dodgers. But, you know, we in the, in the NLDS, it is mm-hmm. five compared to seven. Yeah, so, you so we'll know. definitely see. Um, now, of course, we have the wild card teams fighting it out. We got some division leaders still battling for positioning and best records and MLP, MVP races and Cy Young races. But on the flip side, we got our disappointments. We got teams that pissed us off. <laughs> we got teams that irritated us. We got players that we looked at them and it's like, yo, what are you doing? We got coaches that we looked at them crazy. Um, even storylines this year that just drew us, that just made us go, what? We had to ask questions. We had to think about some things. Um, so, Daniel, I, I want to know, what was your biggest disappointment this year? Uh, we'll start with teams. Teams first. What was your biggest disappointment in the te- in teams uh, this year? My biggest disappointment was Colorado. I felt like coming into the year, their pitching staff had taken a step in the right direction where they had guys who had figured out the ballpark as far as how to pitch around dealing with the altitude. They had guys who were young. They had guys who had live arms. They were coming off a season where they were up there in the division. You know, they, they, they come off, they sign Arenado to that long-term deal. They have players, they signed Daniel Murphy, who should be absolutely raking up there in Colorado. Yeah. For me, everything was looking like a good... I actually had Colorado win the division before the season started. And right now, that looks terrible because they've played so bad. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, for me, that's definitely the biggest disappointment. Uh, Trevor Story and Arenale kept doing their thing. You can't really put it on them. Just as a collective, they didn't really come through. They had a terrible start to the season, and that kind of just kept them down throughout the year and um and yeah that, that's that's definitely my biggest disappointment this year yeah rocky's uh 67 and 89 to be exact uh, on this on this date uh <laughs> of this episode so it's definitely um disappointing i'm surprised too um they got some good bats but it's just it got no production so uh i, I really am disappointed in them as well uh rob who's your who's your take who's your team I am never putting my trust in the Chicago Cubs <laughs> ever oh, again. Man. Ever yeah. again. Okay. I'm about to pull up on Eli. <laughs> if Gibson's lucky, he a White Sox fan because he'd yeah. be getting pulled up on too. Like the Cubs just had one of the worst like ends of a season. They used Absolutely to terrible. Have. They were le- they were they leading had the no di- excuse. They were leading the division for most of the it's season. Most one of the teams, season. and I'll just plug this in. And this is one of the teams, honestly, I feel like they just had no excuses. Uh, their record, as we stand, just to point out their record as well 82 74, and they're seven games back. Of course, they it looks like they're going to miss the playoffs. Yeah, they're eliminated, but they're they elimin- just have no excuse. Just to piggyback on what you said, just no excuse, dude. They they literally have like, like their lineup has three guys in it MVP caliber, like. Like, yeah. their, yes, their ta- their talent, like top level talent is like top 10 MVP finishes. Like Javi Baez is going to end up with an MVP award at some point. Brian already mm-hmm. has one. Rizzo is in the conversation. He puts up great numbers. Like, okay, they gave up crappy contracts in their rotation. That Darvish deal it is, is very terrible. terrible. It was terrible when they gave it to him. Um, but man, Chicago, like what a, what a crazy you know what? season. Like even with Mo, so I didn't mean to cut you off, but what you know how we, I just like said that they try to get weird and that's why I lose. That's been Chicago's whole season. Dude, they try to 
they try to get mm-hmm. cute they try doing different things and it's like oh my god that's so entertaining why are we five games back in the wild card though Right. I, I think that's what hurts them you know you like you said they have the best I would take that roster over most rosters that are going to the NL playoffs right now I have their lineups it, it's, it's ridiculous you know what I mean they, they shouldn't it, it, it's 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 wild and, and I'm gonna I'm end it on this about Chicago in May back in May because I like I, you know I like to watch baseball for a month so I can get a good idea of how mm-hmm. teams are looking how pitchers are looking and everything like that in May I made a little bet and I picked all six division winners mm. the Yankees already got it the Astros already got it the Braves already got it the Dodgers already got it the mm-hmm. Twins are about to are about to get it and my sixth team was the Cubs. So all I'm going to say is somebody has to somebody. find me $3,000. <laughs> because they cost me $3,000. Like, Chicago, I'm never forgiving you three thousand three racks, y'all. You know what? If if I wasn't a Yank, if I if I was a Cubs fan, I'd, I'd transfer over to the White That's Sox. That's how bad it is, guys. <laughs> Man, some, some breaking news. Uh, Nationals just clinched their playoff berth. So yeah. they're de- we're definitely gonna be seeing them in the in the, in the wild card this year. So that, that's gonna. We really have one. Oh, yeah, there we they're, go. They're, they are a team. We got one. They're gonna be interesting. They're gonna they uh, they're gonna be interesting. Like they they got the power to, you know, get a couple of wins. But I, it will be competitive whoever they face. Um, now as far as players, uh, Daniel, what what top player you feel like they just they pissed you off this year? This is a rough one for me. You know, I don't. I won't say it pissed me off. I think Aaron Aaron Judge getting hurt. He was my MVP favorite, so I was disappointed in that. And it kind of took him a while to get hot. Yeah. Uh, I think Mookie coming off the MVP season, everyone was putting him in the top five category. Mookie's gonna. We were talking about uh, him possibly being the next three hundred million dollar contract, and he kind of just didn't show up to the level he did the year before that. Which not that I'm surprised, but it kind of it kind of sucks to see that kind of player regress in that kind of. In that conversation. Uh, mm-hmm. Other than that, I think my biggest disappointing meant back to the back to the Rockies with mm. uh, yeah with, with their with their uh, pitching staff. Not just one guy, their entire pitching staff. Actually, I'll say I say mainly Kyle Freeland. He <laughs> just lump on but been one. <laughs> no, but but Kyle Freeland the most was having he got, he got Cy Young awards a lot. He got Cy Young both last year. Yeah. And he came out and it was absolutely terrible. Like I'm telling you, so bad dude got demoted like in the middle of the year. So yeah, that's that's my biggest disappointing player, I think. Yeah. Uh, Rob, what player do you feel like just didn't really do what they were supposed to be doing? Watch it be somebody from the Cubs. Watch. All right. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, it, it, it won't be. It won't be. I'm listen, I'm done with the Cubs. Um but for me, the most disappointing player this season, simply because his performance, in my opinion, impacted a playoff race um extremely is edwin diaz wow yeah um you know edwin diaz came over to the mets at, like i think me and daniel both had him as the number one closer in the entire league coming into the season um and then he went on to the mets to allow the most hits he's ever allowed in his career most runs highest era highest whip um yeah dude edwin diaz just hurt the mets this year if they would have had you know, even like an 80% Edwin Diaz, we'd be talking about the Mets as a wild card team like locked up right now because with the performance of the rest of their players, if they would have had a consistent closer, like Diaz almost had like a six ERA. He had, I think like five or six blown saves. Um, He came in and just like ruined a lot of games for them. 
but you know on the on the other side of it i will say this it's gonna hurt them this year but at the same time it's something that teams have to pay attention to because the mets essentially have like a dangerous sleeper in their bullpen if diaz can get back to form for next year yeah and and that's key um as far as coaches though when you look at coaches around the league you got some coaches that just sunk the ship (laughs) with their team and then you got some coaches that really uh made some noise so in your opinion daniel if you can just pick a coach that really raised their stock um what what coach would you would you want to see or would you say rather than like yeah they they really got their their money's worth with them you know what? i would say rocco Baudelli for the twins you know he's, he's about to win the central after they had a really disappointing year last year uh, yeah. Going into the season, I, I felt like he was he was going to be a good person for that team, and he showed that, showed that throughout. So Rocco Baudelli is definitely the person that I was just really impressed with how he handled that, how he handled that team, even through some injuries. So, so big shout out to Rocco Baudelli. Yeah, for sure, homer homer hitting club to, at to, at his finest right now. Uh, Rob, who you got? It'll be Baudelli's biggest competition in Aaron Boone in the American League. Uh, manager of the, yeah. of the year race um you know what was it 29 injuries 30 injuries i mean and you're still you have a chance to finish with the best record in baseball yeah. i mean that statement says it all you know he and i'm not even a huge aaron boone fan but but the way that he used the yankees debt to keep them you know in the race all year and not just go for a wild card spot but take the division by force probably one of the most impressive things i've seen um in recent memories from a yankees manager. and on top of that they're getting back uh edwin and edwin and carson and gary sanchez uh back uh this week so yeah, that'll, that'll be, be solid huge. for them um so of course they're a top team and then of course we were looking at all the top teams in the league when we talk about power rankings of course you have all your power rankings here and there and some people just don't get it right um but when it comes to your top five teams uh, throwing it to Rob. Rob, who is your top five teams right now with a week or so left in the season? Okay, so right now, my top five teams, and I'm looking at it from the perspective of going into the right. playoffs. Um, so I'm going to have the Astros at number one. I'm going to have the Dodgers at number two, because um, those are those are probably the two World Series mm-hmm. favorites right now. I almost put the Yankees at number two, but I'm going to have them at three just because they are dealing with some injuries and some other issues with the, with some of their players. Um, you know, we had the whole thing with the Domingo um, Herman yeah. investigation, so they're going to be they're going to be hurt by some outside factors. Um, I have Atlanta at number four, who I see as probably the biggest threat to the Dodgers um, NL crown. And in the fifth spot, instead of putting another potential division winner, I went with Oakland. Mm. I went with Oakland on top of Minnesota um, just because, you know, uh, Daniel was talking earlier about how he sees Cleveland as the most dangerous um, potential wildcard team. I tend to lean a little bit towards Oakland, even though I think, uh, and I said on, on the episode before that I think they might shoot themselves in the foot. They play the Yankees really well. They play the Astros really well. If they come out of the wild card, I think they're going to give whoever ends up with the best record. They could potentially take them to a five-game series. Yeah, yeah that's an interesting power, power five right there. Uh, Daniel, who's your power Who's your power five, your top five? Uh, we both agree in one. Uh, I also have the Astros. I, like I said, I think they're the most complete team going into the playoffs. Just they have they have a little bit of everything. They don't really have any noticeable holes. Mm-hmm. Uh Second team, you know what? I, I would have to say the Dodgers. Uh, 
granted, I think they have they're gonna have a, a tougher road to road series than people want to think. Like you said, like you know, we just talked about Atlanta, we just talked about Washington. Those are two things that two teams that I think have a legit like a legitimate chance of taking them down just because of that rotation. And so yeah, but they're still number two. Three three, I have to agree with the Yankees. They're a hundred and two team win, a uh, hundred and two win team might finish the might finish the year with the most wins in the MLB. So hard not to have them at three. Uh, you know what, four, you know, I'm kinda I'm kinda with uh Rob on his thinking here as far as uh Oakland. I have Oakland at four. Uh, you know, even though I think that Cleveland poses a better chance throughout the rotation. I said it last week, if Oakland does things right, they have a really good team. They're a very dangerous team. My thing is, I just don't think they're going to do things right. But regardless, <laughs> I, still have them, I still have them at, what did I say, four? Yeah. Yeah, four. Did he sign off? <laughs> Yeah. Oh my bad, man. Did, did I go? Did there I go? you go. There you go. You back. Yeah. Well, yeah, no. So uh, Atlanta is my five. Uh, I think they could they could easily be one. I just think that we're gonna have to see if those veterans with Josh Donaldson and Dallas Keuchel actually do something to help that youth that seemed overwhelmed last year. If those two guys can can you know help them as far as how to how to be in the big stage, I think they'll be a very dangerous team. So those, those are gonna be my five. Yeah, well, it's a good five. We'll see what happens in the playoffs. Uh, before we go to break, just some notable headlines. Of course, we know the Phillies are out, but Nats officially eliminating uh, Bright, uh, Harper and the Phillies, um, ending their season early. Um, the MLB uh, sets the strikeout record for the 12th straight season. So we're going to get into this a little bit later in this episode, but for the strikeout ratio and home run ratio to be where it is. That says a lot. Um, and the Oakland A's reliever, uh, Lou Trevino, season is over. Cracked a rib in the shower. Oh, so, man. Baseball players, you got to know when to tone it down. All right. Uh, <laughs> you know, you're, you're breaking legs, skipping over lines on the mound and uh, with Yankees relieving. And you got this reliever falling in the shower. Just got to be more careful, guys. <laughs> so we're going to go to break. And uh, after the break, we're going to dive into more into some more baseball, including a more in-depth look at Pete Alfonso, New York Mets star player, rookie star player, um, who was hitting the long ball with some force. So we're going to dive into him a little bit more as we go to break. Stay tuned. Since I'm 42, though, and when we get in mode, I'm a dog like I'm Cujo. Heard they tryna steal away, cut it out, cut it out. Spicy mommies on the way, bust it down, bust it down. So my watch, she let away, I flood it out. Hey, talk to me nice, show you what be busy about. Whoa, pipe down, throwing up shots. First we shut them down, then we open up shots. Really sneak around, just in case y'all forgot. They been tryna stop the way, but the way don't stop. Uptown, nigga. I was down, but they see I'm up now, nigga. Head high, cause I'm holding up my crown, nigga. Never told, even through the ups and downs, nigga. And if I do say it's a couple brown, nigga. Only way I double crosses. I just keep spinning, only way to make them nauseous. Demon little mommy like salsa, we could dip. 
just tryna see you dance, salsa on the dick, whoa It went down, she came up, you know Y'all take shots, y'all aim up, you know Hate on low, but we fly high, you know Talk is cheap, free Wi-Fi, whoa Heard they tryna steal away, cut it out, cut it out Spicy mommies on the way, bust it down, bust it down So my watch, she let away, I flood it out, Hey, Talk to me nice, show you what these bitties about, whoa Pipe down, throwing up shots First we shut them down, then we open up shots Tengo cuatro rutas y los vendo a 32 como calmaron en Utah. Tini, Oche y Versace, voy a morir mi millonario, los Illuminati. Hey guys, so when you listen to the podcast and you hear the title SSAW Live Sports Podcast presented by the Craft Factory, you're probably wondering, what does the SSAW stand for? Well, it stands for Specialized Sports Analysis Worldwide. It's a huge Facebook group community that only talks about sports all day, every second, every hour. And from there, make sure that you type in the letters SSAW or just type in the full name Specialized Sports Analysis Worldwide on Facebook. When you click on it, make sure you put a request in. One of the founders will click on your request. And from there, you join a huge community that loves to simply talk about sports every day and every second. We talk about a wide variety of things from basketball to football to soccer to everything, you name it, even world wrestling entertainment, everything under the sun. We love to talk about it because we simply just love sports. So again, it's a Facebook group, a huge community that's waiting for you. Make sure you type that name in and we'll welcome you wholeheartedly. Welcome to SSAW. All right, guys, welcome back to Diamond Talk. Uh, You know, the Mets are kind of creeping out the back door when it comes to the playoffs, but... Pete Al- Alfonso is still killing it. Mind you, he's a rookie and um, came on the scene this year, um, made a lot of noise in the home run dor- derby um, and was in that huge home run derby race with, with Jacques out there from L.A. And so uh, he's pretty much a runaway uh, for rookie of the year, uh, it looks like. Uh, but we shall see. Um, Rob, I know you've been watching him closely and um, even on our SSAW uh, Facebook page, you saw some things and you wanted to to speak on some things that would that really caught your eye. So um, you have the floor, man. What what's what's your take on Pete Alfonso this year? Yeah, you know, um, I I just wanted to give uh, Pete Alonso a little bit of a spotlight because I think he's he's going to get overshadowed by the Mets missing out on the postseason. Um, and Alonzo has done a lot of great things this year for that team. You know, um, if you if you just look at his normal line, like 264 batting average, not super impressive. But then you add the 50 home runs, 115 RBIs, 0.947 OPS. He has a insane. five plus WAR. That's crazy. Um, yeah, you know, like and I don't. I think a lot of people just view his line and don't look into like the records that he's been breaking. Um, so I have some of them written yeah. down. Um, Alonzo broke the Mets single season home run record, um, which was at 41. He has 50. Um, he broke the NL rookie record, which I believe was 37 or 39. It was set yeah. by Bellinger back in 2017. He has 50. Um, and he's second all time 
for home runs um, by a rookie. The, the um, record is currently held by Aaron Judge, who in 2017 hit 52. So if he, if Alonzo is able to bust out three more home runs, you know, in these, in these final a few games, um, he'll have that record to himself. Mm-hmm. First rookie with a 50 home run, 30 double season. Um, he already joined the 50 home run club. There's only 30 players in that club all time. Um, so that's elite company that he's joining right there. Um, and, you know, one of the one of the most important records that stood out to me was the fact that he recently broke the Mets total base bases record for uh, 335, which was set by David Wright in 2008. And the reason why that stood out to me was because when I look at Pete Alonso, I see David Wright mm. and I see that more in the sense of a future captain for this mm. team. Now, I'm not talking about power hitter because David Wright wasn't there. Alonzo's already a way better power hitter than David Wright was. But I see Alonzo more as a driving force for this team. You know, I think the way that he plays makes his teammates better. He has a good leadership presence in the clubhouse. Um, he essentially has captain written all over yeah. him. Um, and and I think, you know, I think he's been a huge success for that team. Um, and he's one of the pieces, you know, you look at him, you also have to look at additional pieces. The Mets have the Grom, Sindengard, Conforto, Rosario, McNeil, like all these homegrown players. Um, and I, I think, you know, I think we're looking at the NL East um, as a very competitive division, but the Mets are quietly putting together like a team to compete for the next several years because a lot of their guys are really young. Um, and especially if Alonzo just keeps getting better or at least, you know, it, he... He's gonna ha- he, he's gonna have like 40 home runs next year, and people are already gonna say he regressed. Like, listen, a 40 home run season is a 40 home run season. No one's gonna hit 50 home runs every exactly. single year. Um, so, like, but yeah, I, I just thought it was very interesting because um, I would advise there's this clip um, from the Michael K show. Um, I would advise every, and people to go check it out where his uh, co-host Don Lagreca, who's a Mets fan, he goes on an epic rant. Like he lose he loses his shit like completely, and the reason why he lose and this was like from a couple years back, so uh, this isn't like during the Alonzo era, but the reason why he lost his shit was because he was comparing the Mets to the Yankees and what it was like to be a Mets fan compared to a Yankees mm. fan, and he was he was basically saying like when are the Mets gonna have a forever player? He's like when you look at the Yankees, you can go back. You have Babe Ruth, Mickey Mantle, Joe DiMaggio, Yogi yeah. Berra, Derek Jeter, Lou Gehrig, Mariano. And even now in the present day, you have Aaron Judge, Glaber Torres, Gary Sanchez, like you have all these elite players. And he was like, we had that in David Wright, but we lost that to injury. And the re and when I like I said, when I look at Pete Alonso, I see that I the reason why I wanted to give him this spotlight is because I want to let the Mets fans know that outside of someone like Jacob DeGrom, who is one of the best pitchers in the league, I think the Mets have finally found that forever player in New York. Yeah. And he's he has I mean, forget has a lot of promise. Like he's here. Like he, there is no. Yeah, he's here. he's here. He's here. And the the, the good thing about yeah. him is he's he's like Judge. You know, they came up. They came up already sort of experienced. Alonzo's twenty four. He's not like a twenty yeah. year old. Just, um, I mean, there's some twenty year olds like Acuna who, who you know come in and make immediate impact, mm-hmm. but not everyone does that. Alonzo's twenty four. Judge came up when he was twenty four, twenty five. So these these guys have have. You know, a little bit more age, a little bit more experience. Do you think? Um, and and I'll toss this question to Daniel. Do you think there is a sophomore slump in him, or do you feel like this is who Pete is? So I'll say that there, I don't think there'll be a sophomore slump. Like, granted, hitting fifty home runs again is going right. to be a really hard task. You know, I think that as far as the home run numbers, we might see that come down a little bit. 
and that still won't mean he has a bad season. It just means that he won't reach the number. Yeah, because so, so when I say sophomore slump, let's let's put this in perspective. I mean, hitting thirty home runs um, is still is still you know pretty good. So let's not get too ahead of ourselves here. You know, I'll tell you I'll tell you what I think about Alonzo. I think coming into the season, everyone knew he had the power. Alonzo is he had an AD power tool by almost every scout that scouted him. Uh, which is the top, by the way, it's 80 out of 80. So everyone knew the power was there. I think the one concern was going to be, is he going to be making contact uh, regularly enough where it's going to matter? Mm-hmm. So my my the only question I'd have of Alonzo, and this won't be happening at least for another three or four years, is he's a full effort swinger, which means he's putting everything he has into a swing. And a lot of, sometimes it's hard for those guys to keep a, a healthy career you look at Bryce Harper he's not necessarily he hasn't necessarily had the most athletic uh, last couple of years and a lot of that is because the swing is so violent and I think has the same kind of swing so I think he's one of those guys where he's so strong that if he cuts the swing down and just focuses on you know the same thing everyone else is kind of launching or just making good contact he's so strong that he can still hit 50 to 60 home runs maybe so I, I'm, I'm going to see if he makes that kind of adjustment next year uh, but other than that, I, I really don't see a reason why he would have like a major regression. He he has pure power. He's he's a pure power hitter. He's not one of these guys that has forty home runs and you're like, how the hell? Mm-hmm. No, he's he's one of those guys where you can see you can see the power. It's something he's gonna play in his career. I just hope that the contact remains consistent and that the health stays there. That that really is the only two concerns I have with him. But other than that, like fans should be really excited about his future. Yeah. Yeah, so he's he's definitely a player that's he's here. There is no just upside. No, he's here now. Um, and to be honest, we we definitely feel like he's going to keep this going, um, especially with the start that he's having with you know fifty plus home runs. That's that's insane for anybody, honestly. But let alone a rookie. Uh, but tying into the comment, Daniel, as far as his full effort swings, um, a lot of players are having demonstrating some full effort swings um and as we know the home run record is being demolished um as well as the strikeout record is being demolished every year so um uh, there's this issue that's this growing thing as far as baseballs being juiced and and you know issues with the balls and is there a is, is it problematic and all this stuff um daniel how do you feel about this this theory or this concept of the baseball's um, even if it is a, a theory, because it might be true, but as far as the baseball is being juiced and this home run record that we're seeing right now before our eyes, yeah. So it's not it's not really a theory anymore. It's it's pretty much been proved. So for instance, there was a I forgot what school did it, but they did a study on the baseballs from I want to say it was like four or five years ago. They did an MRI on those on those baseballs and the baseballs that we're using today, and the difference is is like in the way they're stringing the core, basically the course you're getting strung a lot tighter which makes the basically when you make contact make it yeah, go a lot jump, it jumps off the bat quicker right right and i think you gotta look at it as what else is happening throughout not only the major leagues but the minor leagues the minor the, i think it was triple a or double a one, one of those two one of those two leagues they changed their balls from the balls they had been using to major league baseballs and those whole and those home run numbers went up a huge amount too yeah. You know, so I think it's one of those things where the evidence is there. The balls are definitely getting juiced. I think the like 
my bigger thing is if you're the MLB, just say, yeah, look, we're changing the we're changing the way that the baseballs are made, and it is leading to this. Mm-hmm. That way, at least you can properly adjust. We can properly judge these guys against their counterparts. Baseball is one of those is one of those sports where we love talking about like, oh, Pete Alonso, he's just like, you know, Babe Ruth or Barry Bonds power. Like, and a lot of baseball thrives on that. So now that we have everyone hitting 20 plus home runs, mm-hmm. it kind of changes the way you scout people. It kind of changes the way we put these numbers in perspective. For instance, Alonzo, let's say 15 years ago, it'd be a 30 to 35 homer guy. And that's not taking anything away from Alonzo. It's just the, the way we're at. It takes a lot less to get the ball out of the ballpark. Mm-hmm. So I think, uh, I'm not going to say it's a problem because I think people love the home run ball, but I think it's something that the MLB should address and just say, look, this is what it is. And just some more like empirical evidence, the MLB isn't the first person, the first entity to change balls. In college, they changed the balls just two years ago after they saw that. Well, the first thing the college changed, they changed the metal bats. They went from what was called a BESR to a BB core, which dramatically changed how many homers were getting hit in college. So then in turn, to get the homers back, what they did was change the composition of the balls a little bit. And that kind of brought the numbers up a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I believe MLB is kind of doing the same thing so there's evidence for it there and like I said it's not that it's a problem it's that it should be addressed so we can judge players and we can judge where we're going accordingly yeah uh, Rob how do you feel about the baseballs being juiced like I know players are pretty much cranking out 20 home runs everybody can hit you know at least 10 home runs nowadays um, how do you feel about the balls being the way they are and is it as a consumer how do you, is it good for the game as a consume from a consumer perspective? Well, I think for the general fan, it's great. You know, I, I, the general fans love to see home yeah. runs. Um, you know, for for fans like us who might pay more attention to the game and break it down, I think we, we can realize that there's negatives and positives that come with this. Um, you know, I, I've seen people talk about whether, you know, like the juice balls can be compared to the PED mm-hmm. era. Um, and things like that I, I think I don't I don't necessarily have that big of a problem with the juice balls because if you if you think of something like the juice balls compared to the PED eras everyone is still essentially on the same level mm-hmm. with the juice balls you know like at the end result is still going to be the same better talent is still going to produce more than lesser talent like sure the numbers for the for you know if you have a utility guy sure his numbers are going to go up but he's not going to be hitting 50 home runs like a, like an actual superstar who has superstar yeah. talent his numbers are just going to be improved but everyone's still on the same level you don't have like a guy like cheating to get an advantage over over other mm-hmm. people but at the same time these juice baseballs are going to start causing like some crazy records to be broken and to be made like all over the place like like tonight when I was watching the Yankees game, for example, like came Cameron Maben hit a home run and then like it got put up on the screen that the Yankees were the first team in MLB history with 14 different players on the roster to hit 10 home runs. Ridiculous. Like, so you already see. Yeah. So you already see it on that. But the most ridiculous stat that I saw mm-hmm. was um, I don't know if any of you guys saw it. It was a tweet from uh, Jeff Pazan um, from ESPN when he was talking about since the MLB yeah. began. There had only been 22 teams to finish a season with 200 plus home run, and this season alone, we're already at 23. Mm-hmm. Like in a in a singular season, we have 23 teams with that many home runs. Like, and even you know, even if you break it down further, like think about it. Last year, the Yankees set the home run record at 267, mm-hmm. 
And this year, you already have the Yankees, the Twins, the Astros, and Dodgers who have already passed that total. And the Yankees and Twins are about to reach 300 home yeah. runs, like becoming the first teams to reach that. Rate. So it, it's it's getting a little ridiculous. I mean, don't get me wrong, the, the MLB does have great power hitters you know you have your Aaron Judges and your Stantons and your Trouts and your Bellingers and all these guys your Pete Alonzo's um but yeah you're I, I think the where you're going to see it more is going to be on those lesser level guys and you're also going to see the financial impact of that because if lesser level guys start performing better they're going to get better contracts yeah. You know, like you look at someone like like Gio Urshela for the Yankees, if Gio Urshela is going to turn into a 20 home run guy consistently, mm-hmm. like he's going to he's going to get a good um, contract because his focus was defense. Yeah. So now you add you add a little bit of power to that. And, and now you have like a like a very decent player. But, you know, like like what Daniel was talking about, I think I think we have to focus on the impact that this could potentially potentially have on the minor leagues, because this can you know this can heavily alter how we're evaluating prospects that are coming up yeah i i think the biggest thing though from and just speaking of the players kind of jumping on the that players um um comment that you made as a player and anybody can take this like as a player though how good is it though for the game from a player's perspective now because I can look at, let's just, if we jump into the NBA, for example, um, you look at a player like Steph Curry. He, when he came into the league, it, it, it changed the trajectory of how people played. Like, no longer you have players that are wanting to, like, play from the post anymore. Now it's about shoot threes, get up and down the floor, whoever scores the most points wins. So, are we seeing that type of impact with the juice balls now with with the game of baseball? Do we my question is from a, as a player, though, how good is it for me to watch people just hit dingers after dinger after dinger? Does that now cover up the fundamentals? Does that now cover up the the other parts of the game when it comes to hitting like I get? You know, home runs is good for the game. It's good for the fans. It's good for money and contracts and all that stuff. But essentially, when you, when you think of you know the fundamentals and you think of base hits, when you think of bunting, when you think of all the other things, um, when you put that in perspective, what is the impact now um, going forward? Well, well, I'll say this. You know, Rob Rob made a point about you know someone like Joe Shella possibly making more money out of it. Yeah. And I think it has the same opposite effect, though. If you have everyone hitting 20 home runs, it kind of devalues the home run now. And yeah. you have guys that, you know, would have been making more money if they would have had, had, you know, 30 home runs 10 years ago. And now, since everyone is seemingly hitting that market, it's not special anymore. So why are you going to pay up for it? Yeah. If I can I can grab someone from the minor leagues that can, you know, maybe he'll hit 220, but he'll hit me the same amount of home runs, which is what teams are looking for now. Mm-hmm. I'm going to underpay that guy and screw the veteran who just came off a 30 home run season because why am I going to pay someone 12 million more dollars to get similar production just because we're hitting the ball with the fence now? Yeah. Uh, as far as the effect on the game itself, I think we're starting to see it from, you know, from the minor leagues down through even little league now. Yeah. And it, it's kind of dangerous. It, it, you know, we're kind of saying, we're kind of saying, look, this is the game. This is the way the game is being played now. We don't care about all the other stuff. We don't need you to be a great athlete. Right. We need to hit the right. over the fence. We, you know, it, it's kind of ironic. We probably have the best athletes we've ever had in the game, 
and we're using their talents less and less. You know, we're, we're looking at guys that, like, for instance, Billy Hamilton, you know, not the greatest hitter, but he's a very talented athlete. He's a guy who definitely make a use of, you know, Atlanta has him. I expect him to make an impact in the playoffs because of his speed. But those are guys that are kind of like, eh, like, yeah, you have a unique unique tool set, but are you going to hit the ball over the fence for me 20 times? Yeah. And because of that, we're losing a lot of what used to make baseball special, where guys used to come in with a specific talent and you have to, to build teams to use specific talents. And that's kind of just like, all right, look, we're going to try to hit the ball over the fence as much as possible. And hopefully by the end of the year, we'll have way more homers than we've given up home runs. Right. Strategy. And... I personally think the next wave, the next the next team that's going to kind of revolutionize thing, team, things is the team that finds a way to, first of all, alter that, you know, whether it be their philosophy in pitching or, you know, or maybe they just find the way to use their athletes better. But, it, you know, it's kind of ridiculous. I know I know they say fans love it, but eventually you, you get tired of the same thing. I know you mentioned the basketball reference. Mm-hmm. I don't think I don't think people show up to games just to watch guys hit three pointers. I think dunks are equally as exciting. I think that when you know Kawhi hit that eighteen bounce jump shot in the playoffs, yeah. that was exciting. I think baseball is losing that. We're so focused on the home run that we forget how important just baseball strategy wise a single could be with somebody on second base or something like that. So we, we are losing a little bit. Yeah, and uh, and I bring that up because it's. It's important, you know, you always have that generation to follow you. We say that in sports, all major sports, you know. And so when you see, you know, even literally, you know, copy the the tactics and, and the and the skill set that, you know, they watch big leaguers play with. Um, it's just interesting to see, you know, how they will be trained, you know, in the in the game of baseball, how what the coach will tell them and, and different things like that. So it's going to be pretty interesting um, with with the balls being the way they are now, with the home run record, what it looks like. It's going to keep getting higher and higher. But at the same time, the strikeout rate is going higher and higher as well. So you can clearly see the, the discrepancy when it comes to making contact, um, which is a fundamental of the game. And so um, it's going to be pretty interesting. So uh, we're going to take a quick break. But after, we're going to answer an email question and wrap up with that question. So uh, stay tuned right after these messages. Nobody fucking with son. I got a couple of sons, a couple of guns, a couple of niggas that bust up the party and fuck up the fun. She digging me and I'm cuffing a friend. She digging you while we fucking for fun. I got a suck in the thumb. That my little baby. She call me daddy like grandmama baby. If this Sunday dinner, my hand on the gravy. I've been on the craziest wave. If I'm on the stage, it is my minimum wage. This ain't no kennel, but hey, if niggas was without that barking, we send them straight. So in a way, we the dog catchers. How many bullets your dog catching? Sawed off, raw dog fashion. Hard off, hope dog catch. Damn. Potato over my gun. I'm moving silence cause niggas be clocking my funds. When they should keep eye on they bitch, cause baby girl coming with sun. Niggas be judging my moves, but please tell me what have you done? My cousin at air at the party for fun. Pistol grips, get the squeezing. Wish a nigga would like Liam Neeson. I don't even need a reason. Loyalty over treason. Bitch, nigga, come and see me. Put some respect on my name. Inside of my city, I claim. I try to stay in my lane. Took my advance and put a caprice on them fangs. I'm baiting forward to the wheels fall. Know some niggas probably pissed off. Who would thought I made it this far? Gold mouth, bitch, fuck them all. I woke up for some money. 
I just put diamonds on all of my teeth. Now they probably think I ain't intelligent. In the homicide unit interrogation, asking questions, you know I ain't telling shit. Bitches call me a jock all American. I'm at the top of my class with my letterman. Now remember back in college, bitches knocking on my dorm door. I ain't never let them in. Now you know that that's cap. No, I hit a few. Ain't no job. I'm selling gas like I'm Jiffy Lou. I had a free used to fuck while a boyfriend in class. I hear her from the back from like 10 to 2. No back and forth with these rappers. They mention me dissing me. No talking back. I won't mention you. Watch when I come put that on on your ass. And I did. They gon' want me to snitch in my interview. I'm on five bitch. I'm lit, but I'm. All right, guys, welcome back. We are wrapping up. But before we do, it's time for another question in the mailbox. We got another email question from Nicholas Amano. Uh, shout out to Nicholas for giving us great, great, great questions. Um, one of the questions he asked was, is the speed slash pace of the game, is it really lowering the interest? If so, what would you change if you were the commissioner? Uh, I can start it off. Um, yeah. So I think I think the pace hurts just in fact. Like we were just talking about the home runs and stuff like that. Yeah. I think people under. I don't think people realize how exciting it is when there are guys on base, just because the possibility of outcomes just increases. You know, a guy. You know, you hit a single, you go from first to third, you go from second to home. You can have multiple people on base, multiple people score. You have plays in the outfield. You have relays. Yeah. And I think people. You know, I'm not gonna say they miss that, but I think. It is a part of the game that you know gets taught that should be more a part of the game. Mm-hmm. We've kind of emphasized that. And then as far as uh, the commissioner question, I don't think that the paces will turn the game the most. I think the fact that baseball is kind of run by corny white dudes is what's hurting the game the most. You know, it's, it's a game stuck in like the 1960s, 1980s. Yeah, it's more like you know, I love baseball. It's one of the least cool things there is, though. Like I, I can't, I, I can't imagine. Like for instance, like why isn't Drake at your Toronto Blue Jays like playoff games? <laughs> That's a topic. Yeah, it sounds kind of corny, but you saw the NBA. You saw him on the floor with, with uh, what's called Kawhi, and how exciting that was. And not for nothing, people talk about that. When people talk, talk about things, it makes people want to see things because they feel like they're missing out on something. And baseball doesn't have that, you know, like. I just remember, I just remember like touring around, you know, the country playing baseball and you go into these stadiums and it's kind of just some boring ass country dudes talking about some like, weird bullshit. Nah, like baseball has to get, get ahead of it. They have to like start linking up with some real people in media. You know what I mean? Like, for instance, Jay-Z does great things for New York. Like, push that. Yankees, like he should be right. in the, he should be the front of the face of that. Like, hey, look, we're cool. We're not, you know, we're not these this old-fashioned game. Like, we, we need to make it more exciting that way. And I think the commissioner can do that. I just think they go about it in a terrible way. I also think we shouldn't call it a kid's game. We call it a kid's game, and it's corny as hell. Mm-hmm. Like, like, people love the drama of the NBA. People love the drama of the NFL. MLB needs actual drama, not just that, you know, like Bryce Harper. Oh, he left, and now he's on another team. But that doesn't carry out as much as some other stuff. So I, I think... Some of those things are things to think about as far as how to push the game past the field. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, Rob, do you feel like it's becoming slow or or do you think it's at the right tempo as far as the game, the game of baseball? Yeah, I, I think the speed of the game is, is one of the issues, um, you know, that's kind of bringing baseball down a bit in terms of audience. But I wouldn't say it's like the main mm-hmm. issue. Um, I think I think there's there's just 
you know, what, exactly what Daniel was talking about. I think it's a game that's just stuck in its ways and it's not making, it's not trying to make any progress to move forward, um, to be, um, you know, to relate to, to the audience that we have nowadays. Um, you know, I was, I was reading a, a article today, um, that Bleacher Report did um, in which they they were talking about Tim Anderson, the shortstop for the Chicago White Sox. And one of the major points that he made, um, which is like not not necessarily like trying to to turn it into like a, a racial thing. But, you know, his focus is he wants to he wants to bring that swagger back to the game to kind of captivate the African-American audience again. And I think I think that's that's actually like a very key thing for the game of baseball. Yeah. Like if we actually break it down, you have like you know, white people, like Hispanics, like real, like heavily invested in baseball because these are the majority of the players that you see. Mm-hmm. Like we talked about this on the page, like last year, you know, you look at Mookie Betts as like the face of African-American players. And then the list gets a lot shorter after him. Mm-hmm. Like you have guys like Josh Bell now, um, you know, the, you know, the guys that are coming up, Tim Anderson um, included in that group. But you know, like if we think back, you know, the, the two guys who are seen as the home run kings in the MLB are African-American. Like, you look back at 2001 when Barry Bonds was going crazy in the home run race. And then, you know, you have, like, your Sammy Sosa's and your Mark McGuire. Like, back to what Daniel was saying with, like, drama. You know, you want to create these storylines that people can follow. We kind of had a little bit of that this year with the whole Bellinger and Yellick race. Like, that was basically, like, McGuire Sosa light. Like, that was, like, diet McGuire Sosa. Um there wasn't any real like you know like like a strong storyline behind that it's like oh their stats are similar like let's follow them type of thing but you know i i think i think there's just a lot that could be done in baseball you have to let these players play how they want to play um this whole thing you know like when a when a player pimps a home run and the pitcher gets mad like mm-hmm. that's that's old school like you have you have to like get with the program like like these players to be quite frank like sometimes you're watching games and these players look like robots <laughs> and like that's the problem like no one has a personality except for like the tim anderson and the javi biases of the world like these guys just need more personality they have to like bring more personality mob has to do a better job at marketing them so that you can gain a bigger audience not just keep the audience that you currently have yeah yeah so i, I think that's some major major points as far as the game and and I think the the main thing, even for me personally, I do want to see more, uh, more diverse and more push, um, you know, not just in other countries, but even here, um, where we have you know people who do love baseball who are not, you know, you know the white fan per se. Maybe you have African Americans, you have uh, uh, Latinos, and and of that nature who actually love the game. They just want a shot, and they just want to um, get that exposure, and so. It would be nice to see as much as baseball goes hard in other countries to see them push um, in their own their own state, their own backyard. So that's our time. You know what you Go ahead. So we, we could literally have a whole like two episode series on that. <laughs> right. That's like behind the scenes, based behind the music, <laughs> baseball. Yeah. <laughs> but that is our time. We appreciate you guys listening on another episode of Diamond Talk presented by the Craft Factory. Um, Thank you guys again for listening in advance. For any news updates, please head up our page, SSAW, um, on Facebook. Send your request, and we will definitely accept it. For the love of sports, 
And of course, you can head to thecrabfactory.org for other news. Um, the Crab Factory is still on its tour, going to New, to New York uh, from October 4th to the 6th. So we'll be out there um, repping and doing some major stuff with events. So in the meantime, tune in next time. Diamond Talk, presented by the Craft Factory. And if you have questions, comments, arguments, concerns, please email us at diamondtalkpodcast at gmail.com. Until then, we'll see you next time. Peace. Hey guys, we want to thank you for listening to the Diamond Talk Podcast presented by the Craft Factory. Stay tuned for the next episode. But until then, if you have any statements, comments, or you want your questions answered live on the podcast, feel free to email us at diamondtalkpodcast at gmail.com. That's diamondtalkpodcast at gmail.com. See you soon.